Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. A top political advisor to UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who also happened to be an architect of the Brexit campaign, was caught leaving his home during the coronavirus lockdown in his country. And it has started an absolute firestorm in Britain. Imagine a scandal seemingly so small, blowing up so big in the United States. It shows a stark difference in how two countries, the UK and the United States, deal with the current moment that we're in. That's what we'll talk about today on Worldly, part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Alex Ward, doing the hosting duties because Zach Beecham's on vacation, but I am here as always with Jen Williams. Hey. And we have Jen Kirby all the way from New York City uh, hanging out with us. What's going on, Jen? Hey, Alex. How are you doing? Hey, Jen. Hey. Should we do it for uh, convenience sake, call you Kirby as much as I hate to do that? Yeah, call me Kirby. All curb, right. whatever works. Long-time worldly <laughs> listeners will know that the Curbs is a frequent guest, and that this is how we handle it because our parents decided to name us the same name. <laughs> 80s children. Yep. Yeah, I feel like everyone in the 80s and 90s, all the men were Matt and all the women were Jen. Or something. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Let's talk about this guy named Dominic Cummings. As I mentioned in the intro, he's a top political advisor to Boris Johnson and a key Brexit architect, but who is this guy and what is this scandal? Kirby, you are our premier UK Omnishambles correspondent. What is going on over there? Well, Dominique Cummings is probably best known for being um, the kind of guy behind the Vote Leave campaign, which was the official campaign to take the UK out of the European Union, otherwise known as Brexit. He's sort of credited with the slogan, take back control. But in the process, he kind of created this mythology around himself as this kind of like political genius. And I think, you know, maybe for American listeners, maybe he's kind of has a mythology around him, kind of like Steve Bannon, like knows all the political whisperer and he's you know kind of known as this arrogant break the rules kind of guy so that's his public persona so he's boris johnson's advisor he's he's in the government right and i think that matters because a lot of people now really want him not to be in the government anymore and that's because like alex said he got busted taking a a bit of a road trip so what he actually did it's fairly simple He took a drive from London, where he lives, to his parents' home in Durham, which is about 260 miles away. And he did this, he says, basically for childcare reasons, right? So 
his wife had come down with, they believed, coronavirus. She had gotten, like, really sick, and then she was okay, but they got really worried. And several people in the government had gotten it. Boris Johnson had gotten the coronavirus. And so Dominic Cummings was like, crap, if I get it and my wife has it, we have a four-year-old child, so we're not going to be able to take care of our kid. So instead of, like, I don't know, calling a babysitter or friends or literally any other option in London— they decided to drive 260 miles away to his parents' house where his, like, sisters and his family could then take care of their son should the two of them get sick. And the two of them did end up getting sick. So that's kind of what started it. And then he got better and took another trip and decided to go to a castle? What happened there, Jen? Yeah, so that was sort of the weird one, I think is kind of what has maybe gotten the tabloids and the press even the most riled up. While he was in alleged isolation, he drove um, like 30 miles or so to this castle outside of the place there he was, Durham, which I guess he wasn't really supposed to do because it's sort of the state trip and, you know, the question was, you know, should he still be in isolation? Um, And he was spotted on this trip. And his excuse was later that he needed to do a test drive before he went back to London because his eyesight had been affected by the coronavirus. So he needed to go. Yeah. So he needed to go on a test drive, which is like the most ridiculous thing. Like, of course, everyone tests their eyesight by driving a vehicle. (laughs) So that's totally safe. And especially because they drive on the wrong side of the road. It seems extra dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) At least according to us. But yeah. So, I mean, it was totally bizarre, the explanation. And then eventually he came back to London and his wife, who's a columnist at The Spectator, I believe, had and they had written about their experience with coronavirus, but they just conveniently left out a lot of the details, such as that they went to stay with their family members, um, you know, miles outside of London. So very much looked like he was trying to not make it public that he had decamped from London. Okay, so let me see if I get this straight, because it sounds a bit wacky. We have a disheveled top advisor, Steve Bannonish. Like, by the way, I can answer the question if Steve Bannon is still influential. No. So we have this uh, advisor deciding to, for childcare purposes, which I think you could say is somewhat reasonable, go to visit family as to, to help with childcare. But then, after getting better, decides to visit a castle and gets caught. If I recall, like, I did not expect for someone to to see him and his family there. Someone had found him and reported it. and Because everyone was supposed to be on lockdown, so why would you think people were out? Yeah, we should be clear here that at this point in time, uh, starting March 23rd, the UK had been on a, you know, pretty strict stay-at-home orders. And among the recommendations was, you know, you should not take trips away from your home. You should not visit secondary homes. The guidance on childcare was a little less clear, but they recommended, you know, if you had COVID symptoms to isolate in your home. I believe the recommendations were to call a local family or friend. And it it acknowledges that that might not be possible for anyone, but this was sort of like above and beyond. And while the rest of the country is being told by the government to stay close to home, make do, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I mean, 260 miles is roughly DC to New York City. So that's like a decent drive. Maybe maybe a little less, but even so. And then there's the day trip. Right. And then yeah, and this is what I want to get to, which is, which is the day trip, right? Like, 
not only do you do that drive to visit family because of childcare reasons, which again, I think can be somewhat considered reasonable, but then you take the trip to go to the castle, which in, in Europe, there's a castle every four minutes. Like it's, you don't have to go 30 miles if you really need to. Everyone has a castle in Europe. Uh, and uh, you get a and castle. To do it to, you get a castle. To, everyone's got a castle. And to do it on like a Mr. Magoo style, uh, I find a little odd. Lame excuses throughout. It is, I think, inarguably something that someone so high up in the British government should not have done, but it's a scandal? Like, this is what I don't understand, is explain to me why this guy doing this thing, which I think we can all agree, meh, why did this blow up all of a sudden? I think there's a few reasons. One is sort of the big one that I just mentioned, which is that the rest of the United Kingdom was on these very strict lockdown orders, right? Um, And everyone is being told to follow the rules. And then this political guy who, again, has a reputation for not following the rules, like clearly flouts the rules of which he is potentially an architect because he's a top government advisor to Boris Johnson. The second, I think, is that Dominic Cummings is not a particularly well-liked person in the UK. He's even has enemies within the Conservative Party. So there's this sense of like a comeuppance. And then third, I think, is that Dominic Cummings himself has defended his actions. And most critically, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, has defended his advisor. He hasn't really forced Cummings to apologize. He hasn't you know, agreed to do an inquiry. And he's been defiant of it. And I think this is what's really rankling the British public right now. So, and I definitely want to get into the, the Boris Johnson point, because I think that's really important. I think that's actually, as you kind of flicked at there, at the core of what's going on. I think it's partially about Dominic Cummings, but it's also a lot about Boris Johnson and the entire kind of UK government coronavirus response generally. But I think it's also like very serious about the childcare point. So Alex, you said, and I, I agree, like, it seems fairly reasonable, right? Like, He seems to have said basically like they didn't have any friends in London to take care of their kids, which it seems like it might actually be the case that he's not a super well-liked guy and couldn't find a single friend in London. (laughs) Yeah, if you orchestrate Brexit and you are as sort of, you know, tough as nail, sort of no-holds-barred kind of politician, you may not have that many friends in London. (laughs) So, so like, that seems fair. We'll talk about this also, you know, more, you know, later, like in the U.S., it's like, okay, well, we have politicians doing all kinds of stuff and not even wearing masks here, so why is this such a big deal? But there's a, there's a more specific point about the childcare issue here, and there's a woman that was interviewed by the BBC in Glasgow, She has two children, uh, age five and age one. And, you know, she and her husband both had the coronavirus. So very much the same situation. And they just like dealt with it because they were following the rules that their government told them to follow. So how did you feel when you heard Dominic Cummings explaining the situation he'd been in and how he'd reacted? So full of rage and despair that not just that, 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 that someone who has designed these rules can consider himself separate from them or above them, but that the government should come out and the prime minister should come out and, ex- and say that that is an acceptable excuse for breaking their own rules. It is, I just feel so fundamentally disrespected. And so, you know, this poor woman is like, well, I stayed home and this guy didn't have to. So I think like that really speaks to the kind of Uh, violation of, like, trust and just, like, literally, how dare you do this? Like, you're above us. These elites don't have to follow their own rules. And I think that's, like, a really kind of, like, visceral 
feeling for people who are also going through these similar situations. But if if a politician who wasn't so hated as Cummings or or so controversial as Cummings, like if someone else had done this, would it be as big a deal? Like I'm wondering if it's the act itself or if it's the the man. It could be a big, bit of both, but I it, I guess on on my end of this, it almost seems like because he is the flashpoint that he is, this became a bigger thing. I think that's part of it, but you know, he's not the only, you know, official who got in trouble. Um Nicola Sturgeon, who's the head of the Scottish National Party, her chief medical advisor visited her second home and she had to resign. And then uh, Neil Ferguson, I think is his name, who was one of the medical advisors from the government and was involved in an influential study, visited his girlfriend on lockdown and he had to resign. And so like everyone else has owned up to their mistakes and stepped Uh. down and Cummings has refused to do it. And yeah, I think his persona is part of it. I mean, as part of his whole Brexit campaign, it was all about sort of waging war on the elites, right? And now he's acting like the elite. You know, he kind of fomented this own kind of anger in some respects. So I think, you know, his personality, his persona might be part of it. But I think, again, it's this UK has kind of struggled to get a handle on its coronavirus epidemic or pandemic rather. And the fact that it's floundering, this Cummings thing is kind of, galvanize everyone because it's a very relatable to everyone on lockdown and b yeah has become this outlet for the rest of the troubles uh from the johnson government i think okay so what i get out of that is that yes it is about elites behaving badly and cummings being the guy he is but this also seems like a proxy for general displeasure with how how the british government has handled the coronavirus so far i mean early on we remember boris johnson actually had the disease and was somewhat skeptical of, you know, what kind of measures they should take. I mean, there was even talk of that they might try to reach some sort of herd immunity, although quickly backtracked after models showed that was going to lead to widespread disaster. And now you have the UK having one of the highest, if not the highest, death rates in all of Europe. So I could imagine then, after what, what Kirby just said, that this is really also part of a larger public discontent with how the government has handled the coronavirus. Like you said, early on, Boris Johnson kind of ignored the crisis, I guess you could say, and had that idea of herd immunity, uh, which is basically like, let's not take any real measures to shut down the country or do much of anything and let just a bunch of people get sick early on. But then, like you said, he got sick, right? Boris Johnson got the coronavirus and he got really sick. Like by his own account, he almost died. Like he was in the ICU uh, for a long time. Uh, if you see him, like the the photos of him before and after uh, are really stark. You know, he usually has this kind of ruddy, boyish, like round face with his like floppy mop of blonde hair. And afterward, he looks like gaunt and gray and just look like he's aged like 20 years. So he was really, really sick. And that, Kirby, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that garnered him a lot of sympathy. And a lot of people were like, oh, okay, like maybe he's going to take it seriously now. And he seems to have, right? Like he instituted this really strict lockdown where they're actually fining people, not a ton of people, but fining people for violating the lockdown. You know, his his poll numbers seemed to be up. Like he was really getting back some of the, the credibility that he bought himself by getting sick, as awful as that is. And then this Dominic Cummings thing happened. And it seems like like all of that pent up rage that people had that like they were really mad, but they were like, oh, we can't like really be mad anymore because he got sick and the guy almost died. So like maybe we just like give him a break and see if he does better. Like people were still pissed that he 
you know, and he and his government didn't do a good job, but it kind of had to go away because like the guy almost died and it looks, he looks really sick. It seems like that didn't actually go away and that it's still there. And that this has kind of like set that off. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think the thing with Boris Johnson is he's kind of good at the rah, rah, you know, we'll get through this and, you know, let's support our NHS. And he's gone through all the motions of like the the feel good stuff. Yeah, sorry, the National Health Service, which is broadly loved in the UK. And so he's been really good at the rah, rah stuff. But everyone has known since from the beginning of Boris Johnson's political career that he's really, really bad at the details. And details are kind of important when you're mounting a national campaign against a global pandemic. And so he kind of got away with sort of being able to skate on his rhetoric and his good feelings. And the Cummings thing was a reminder that you're asking all of us to follow these rules and for the good of the country to you know help the NHS but you're actually not enforcing them among the people you're with and we're in this situation because of your failures so it's kind of the dual thing the hypocrisy but also we're in this situation because Johnson has perhaps bungled the response So I'm getting out of this half of the conversation is that this is a very British scandal. Like it is just British in almost every possible way uh, from the top down. What I want to get to in the second half, though, is what actually this very British scandal uh, says about the United States and the current coronavirus moment that we're in. Uh, We'll get to it right after this break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. All right. Welcome back from the break. We're talking about this very British scandal we got going on here with Dominic Cummings having traveled during lockdown. It's got everyone upset. And it looks like he actually flouted the law. You actually have Durham, UK police saying that, yeah, he his trip probably violated the actual law. The fact that he was also, you know, driving basically blind, or at least that was whatever his excuse was that he went during the lockdown. But no, they're not going to prosecute him, it looks like. And for probably those reasons, I mean, look, Boris Johnson was already standing by him this entire time. Um, Now it looks like 10 Downing Street, you know, where Boris Johnson hangs out and works. 
they're like, yeah, we're going to move on here. But uh, there's a great quote. If if you want to know the extent of Boris Johnson's desire to stand by Cummings during all this, um, Jen Williams has uncovered perhaps my favorite quote so far this week of anything. Yeah, so... Johnson was basically confronted in this parliamentary committee this week um, with people, you know, in parliament, like, asking him, like, why are you standing by this guy? Like, why don't you get rid of him? Johnson's kind of message now, um, and and Alex, you alluded to it, that the Durham police evidently, like, started, like, an investigation, sort of, and basically decided that his trip to to Barnard Castle might have been a minor breach of lockdown rules, but they're not going to have any retrospective action and that he had acted reasonably during the, you know, for the trip from London to Durham itself. And so the prime minister said that, that he now regards this issue as closed. And so Johnson's whole kind of thing has been like, all right, this has been a giant distraction. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Like the British people don't want the stupid scandal distraction. The British people want us to move on, which in reality, he legit just like wants to move on. And it's the British people who are super mad. He's in this parliamentary committee and, and he goes... What the, he's talking about the British people. He says, quote, what they want now is for us to focus on them and their needs rather than on a political ding-dong about what one advisor may or may not have done. And I'm sorry, I've just never heard the phrase political ding-dong uh, used in such a way. Um, at first when I read it, I was like, is he, he calling Dominic Cummings a ding-dong? And I was like, no, he's using that to mean like firestorm. He's like a political ding-dong. And I'm sorry, it's just the most British thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, but but still, like this entire thing, he he gets like let's be clear, right? Cummings does seemingly flout his own the own government he works for's rules. He's caught because what Abba was blaring in the car, and that's how someone knew he was at the castle. Okay, uh, yes, I'm sorry, we forgot to mention this. Thank you so much for bringing that up, Alex. So. In early April, this reporter at The Guardian in the UK got a phone call from a source in Durham who said that they'd recently seen Dominic Cummings at a, at a nearby residence and that Dancing Queen by ABBA had been blaring from the property. And so, like, that's what, what caused him to, like, think that something was maybe going on. Uh, he, he hears ABBA and he goes outside and sees Dominic Cummings and he calls a reporter. And, and I just find that to be just, like, that's just magical uh, to me. I- any crimes you may have committed for me, absolved. Dancing Queen is a phenomenal <laughs> song. That that That's like the get-out-of-jail-free card for me. Okay, so what I find fascinating after all this is that we have over 40 members of parliament calling on Cummings to step down or, or resign or be demoted in some way. You do have a few still who don't really care or think we, the government should move on. But, like, it's more than just in the public. It's become a political issue, like, and and one that even though Johnson is standing by him, uh, you know, for ding-dong reasons, still it's like, it, it's one that has taken up valuable time during a, a pretty severe crisis in the UK. And what I can't fathom is, you know, I live in the United States, breaking news. And like, every day I'm just bombarded with all kinds of scandals happening here with, you know, Trump's companies gaining money from his work as the president, from the kinds of uh, Trump administration officials talking to Russians when they shouldn't be or lying to the FBI or all this kind of stuff. And like they become scandals here, but at the same time, they they kind of teeter out. And maybe it's because we have scandal after scandal after scandal in the U.S., but I just can't imagine anything like this happening here and it garnering this weeks long, almost like debilitating 
attention. I mean, I, the, the parallel that I have is that you may remember that Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner traveled to New Jersey for Passover, despite the fact that they should have maintained social distancing and they should have, you know, stayed at home. And it was like a blip on our radar, right? It, it sort of came up. And I mean, this is like the president's daughter and an advisor and then one of us was senior advisors. And yet nothing, nothing at all. This didn't become a thing at all. So, so what I'm really struggling with is, is why this has garnered so much attention in the UK when here in the US we're unable to kind of maintain our focus on what seem to be important uh, issues. Well, I think the political dynamics in the UK are are different than the US right now. And I think the big one is, you know, we should be clear that, you know, Johnson, a minister uh, or undersecretary of his cabinet did resign. And a lot of these MPs that are calling for Cummings to resign are conservatives. They're members of Johnson's own party. These are his allies, right? Um, And that's what's so remarkable. And I think the reason is, yeah, the conservatives are the right-leaning party in Britain. And, you know, I listen to some, you know, podcasts for that tend to be some of the more right-leaning papers. And, you know, you can hear the conservatives agitating against the lockdown restrictions as being, you know, too nanny-ish and things like that. But Johnson, as somebody who recovered from COVID, has, since the end of March, taken them really seriously and been very clear that the UK needs to take baby steps to get out of lockdown. So the you know that's I think the difference is Johnson as the head of the head of the country is saying we must we're all in this together we must do it whereas in the US Trump you know maybe for a couple of weeks there he took the coronavirus seriously but he's been agitating against the governors and of you know states who have these lockdowns he's the one saying we've got to get back to work and it's the governors who are opposed to him whereas here you have the leader of the party saying we must all stay in line and so the difference is that this is sort of the best way i think for those in his party who maybe think these lockdown measures are bad for the economy to sort of like call Johnson out for it. Like this is the perfect outlet rather than criticizing Johnson directly. We can go after Cummings, who is has made no effort to be friends with the conservatives in the party, even like the crazy pro Brexit crowd. He's insulted them. And so you realize in politics, you do kind of need to make friends. And I think that's sort of the the difference in terms of the political dynamics between the U.S. and the U.K. right now. And I think it also, you know, it matters the point about like it's his own party trying to hold him to account, even if it's they're doing it opportunistically and for other reasons. You know, we've seen in the U.S. that that Trump's Republican allies in Congress have basically been staunch allies regardless, and they they tend to kind of just adjust to whatever he says and go, yeah, that's what we totally think now too, uh, absolutely. But I think like Alex, your point too about the the Jared and Ivanka thing, like I literally did not remember that. That's like a, you know, one-eighth of something that happens on a Tuesday in the U.S. Like, Trump is literally accusing Joe Scarborough of, like, murdering his intern when he was—like, he's doing that at the same— Sorry, can we not walk past that? That's the president of the United States accusing a prominent cable news host of murder. Like, can we—I don't want to skip by that because that is a thing that's actually happening, and weirdly, it's not a thing again. Yeah, like, and we have a you know a really good explainer uh, on on the side on Box uh, that kind of gets into it, so we won't get it like too far into it. But like that is absolutely bonkers. He also during the 2016 campaign like kind of suggested that maybe Ted Cruz's dad was involved in the Kennedy assassination. Like, like Trump. But he wasn't president then, right? Which is important. But uh, yeah, my point is that like this is this is the guy, right? Like this is this is who he is, and we know that. But like. On top of that, like when it comes to coronavirus, he's still refusing to wear a mask, even though 
like everyone in his government is, you know, the CDC and Dr. Fauci and everyone is like, that's, you should just wear a mask. Like when you're in public, um, he's making fun of Joe Biden for wearing a mask, like for following like directions during an upper respiratory pandemic. Like, uh, you know, he's going around doing whatever he wants. Uh, you have other politicians like, you know, just going places like in the U.S., it just it's a very different situation too. Like our our lockdowns are much more, you know, piecemeal. Uh, like you know, Jen, like you said, like the president himself is not even you know is agitating for for reopening the country, and it's just it's such a very different situation. And I think that, like if this had happened in the U.S., it would have been like a blip. It would have been like a, a five minute Twitter storm, and then you know we would have had a couple of think pieces about it, and then Trump would have I don't know accused another person of murder. I got to be honest, I, I, I try a lot, uh, not only just for this show, but for our own coverage on the site, like to not make everything about the U.S. And uh, especially, you know, on this show, it's called Worldly after all. It's, we try not to make it about the U.S. But like, I can't help but every time I read about this Cummings thing to not just be super depressed about the the state of the United States. Like, it, it because I, I think there's an important caveat that I should mention, which is the, the British press is always looking for scandal and they're very sensationalist and like, the it would make sense that they would try to build this up and turn it into like a thing in all capital letters. And the so, tabloids love Dominic Cummings too. Like he is perfect tabloid fodder. So no way because of his like Svengali type. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't really have that like tabloid press in that same way. Like we have like the Weekly World News and like Bat Boy, but like at the grocery stand. But we don't have that same kind of press dynamic here. Yeah, so I think that like that, that is a major a difference and, and and why this would sort of last. But still, I think the point remains that it, like even in a country that has had the political turmoil that it's had in the UK, right, with Brexit and all that, that this could persist and and possibly you know hurt the government. Um, I don't think it's ever threatened to, to bring it down, but to have it spend so much time during a crisis, the fact that people were able to hold attention onto this, it bothers me tremendously because we're just unable to do something like that here. And it makes me feel like, as you were saying, Jen, I was kind of not feeling bad about, you know, not being British for a while, you know? And like, now I, I gotta be honest, like I, I'm this, I guess what, to put it more succinctly, this coming scandal has made me more uniquely aware of the problems in my country the fact that we can't hold our attention to to scandals of any kind, the fact that our president doesn't seem to believe that deeply uh, in what's kind of like into the science of what's happening. I mean, just today, you know, multiple hours later, he tweets about the United States reaching the 100,000 death toll. It's shocking to me. And it's frankly like I... I, I usually, you know, I'm constantly worried about the state of, the, of, of, our, of this country, but it is amazing that, at least for me, it took something seemingly so small and trivial elsewhere to make me, to kind of crystallize for me that it feels like the United States is in a bunch of problems. Am am I overreacting here? I mean, someone tell me I'm I'm going crazy. Well, I don't know if you're overreacting, but I want to point out that Johnson is holding firm. He's 
you know, refusing to, you know, at least at this point, at the moment of recording, he's not in going with an inquiry. Like, how easy would it for him be to say, like, Cummings did wrong, we'll have an inquiry, or this guy should resign? And I think, like, in some respects, that's why the scandal is so big, because Johnson is showing his true colors, what many people feared him to be, which is that he's a liar and he cares only about amassing political power. And right now he sees Dominic Cummings keeping him close as the best way to maintain political power. So in that sense, maybe this is, we don't know how the scandal is going to play out, but in some respects, I think why this is so galvanizing in the same way, you know, if we can think back to maybe the early days of the Trump administration, because this is sort of what Johnson's critics feared the most, that he would not be accountable and that he would do whatever he wanted for his own political gain. And we don't know how it will end up, but I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why this is being so big right now, because this is the Johnson people feared the most. I'm really glad you brought that up because I was thinking about this this morning uh, when I was getting ready for the show. Jen, you wrote a really great profile of Boris Johnson um, a while back. One of the things that I, I took away from that profile was that, you know, he's not really ideological and he's much more of a pragmatist in the sense that he'll just like become whatever he thinks is the most advantageous politically at in the moment. Um, you know, he wasn't really like super Brexity, but then he became like a big old Brexiteer. And, you know, he just kind of adapts a- and becomes whatever he thinks is going to get him, you know, more political power. But that's actually the reason that I find this so, so strange. And I didn't quite get it. You know, you'd think that, like I said earlier, like read the room, buddy. Like you'd think that he would, like it's the Boris Johnson that, that I know, not that I know him, but would have just been like, okay, I'm just throwing this guy overboard because he's becoming politically toxic and it'll make everyone happy. But he's not. The Financial Times did an editorial uh, just a day or two ago basically talking about how the reason why Boris is is clinging to Dominic Cummings. And it goes to something that you mentioned earlier, Jen, about like Boris not being good at attention to detail and like the nitty-gritty of government. And, you know, their contention was basically the FT that that he needs Dominic Cummings for that, that he he's essentially like reliant on him to do like the business of government um, while he can be the cheerleader. Do you think, I mean, you you did all that great reporting on Boris Johnson. Do you think that's that's an accurate kind of picture of what's going on? I think it's a little bit. And I think he sees Cummings as, you know, rightly or wrongly as this sort of uniquely gifted political advisor. And he's the person who, you know, helped his campaign and helped him kind of get Brexit done, so to speak. And so I think he maybe is reliant on him in a way that's a little bit, you know, troubling. And I think we also have to realize, too, the political dynamics have shifted in the UK. You know, Brexit is not done by any means, but it is not the, you know, topic of conversation. And even, you know, the people who the so-called Remainers have said, we have left the European Union, now we need to figure out how to make it good. So you've lost that sort of galvanizing, Mm. you know, Brexit cheerleader. And we've always said that Boris Johnson was really unpopular, even though he had this stunning victory last year. But part of the reason he was managed to do that was because the labor leader, the opposition, also had a really unpopular leader in Jeremy Corbyn. And in the past month and a half, they have a new leader, Keir Starmer, who is seen as much more kind of moderate. And even though he's not as well known yet, he's seen as somebody who is a much bigger threat to Boris Johnson. Um, He's you know, as they say in Britain, a former barrister. And so he's much better at debating him in parliament. It's and British so, lawyer, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but the point is like, he's much, he, I think the conservatives in general see him as a much 
bigger political threat than Corbyn. And that, too, has maybe made Johnson nervous, especially since Starmer has said, you know, we're going to be a productive opposition. We will you know, support the government when they're doing right during the pandemic, but we will definitely call them out if they're doing wrong. And I think so far he's uh, the labor has done a pretty decent job of that. And that maybe has changed the calculus, too, of why Johnson feels like his political power is being threatened by this pandemic when he envisioned, you know, taking the UK to a great victory on the Brexit train. You know, his plans have been interrupted in that sense. I think one thing you just said put a really fine point on it for me um, in comparing the the UK and the US um, and particularly Johnson versus Trump. And, you know, you said that that Johnson essentially sees Dominic Cummings as the guy that got him there. Whereas Trump, people may see Bannon that way, but Trump sees himself beginning and end, like he's the alpha and omega of the political brilliance in his own mind. And so, you know, he throws people overboard all the time, except for, you know, Ivanka, who's literally his daughter, and Jared Kushner, who's her husband. So I think that's just, I don't know, maybe one of the biggest differences, just kind of in the in a personal sense, that like, Trump just sees himself as as the the genius, whereas Boris actually, like, maybe recognizes that he needs other people occasionally. I don't know. I don't. I, I would just quibble with that a little bit because I think Kushner is probably more than. I mean, I, I think in terms of the myth, the Cummings Bannon parallel seems to make sense. But in terms of the utility, Kushner seems to be the 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 parallel. And like Kushner didn't couldn't get a security clearance. He'd been compromised so many times. He had made so many mistakes in government, and yet continues to gain a portfolio, continues to gain power, and despite tons of pressure for him to be removed or or go elsewhere, um, Trump stands by him. So I I, I, I I quibble a little bit, but I think your point is, is your, your, but I think your main point is right, that uh, Trump seems to be a bit more egotistical than Johnson is at the end of the day. <laughs> and I'm trying to say that as lightly as I can. Maybe we'll leave it there on a fun little note about the two countries' leaders. Uh, I want to thank Jen Kirby for joining us. As always, the the best reporting I see uh, on the UK and and everything about it. Uh, I want to thank our producer, Bert Pinkerton, and all of you for listening to us. Uh, Please rate, subscribe, let us know what you think of the show. Email us at worldly at box.com if you have any questions, comments, suggestions for episodes, or just, you know, make sure you keep listening in the weeks ahead. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next week. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply.